Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. I'm super excited to be here with Lisa J. She is a functional nurse practitioner, and she had a journey on her way to becoming the wolf and becoming who she was born to be and really helping it's interesting, I say about the being the wolf, one of the things I love about it is when the wolves were reintroduced to Yellowstone National Park, it helped to balance out the ecosystem. And my belief is that the more people we have that are being the wolf and operating from that place, the more we will balance out our ecosystem in this world. And Lisa really actually helps people not only in her ripples that she creates in the world, but helps people create internal balance in their own ecosystems, <laughs> which of course makes it so much easier for us to ripple out the goodness out into the world. Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. I love that. I'm actually the idea of ripple effects and ecosystems because we you know want to have our bodies in balance and have our own internal system uh, you know working well but i work with women i'm a functional nurse practitioner i do women's health i mostly work with women in their 40s and beyond but some women in their 30s as well who are having a lot of health issues um, hormonal issues stress issues sleep issues weight issues and once women can get their own bodies feeling good and they're in balance, then it ripples out to their families, their jobs, their communities, because they're able to give so much more. And I just love that image of it. And that's really why I do what I do and why I love it so much is because I'm not just helping that one person, right? Each person who gets healthy and strong and energetic and happy, then that affects everyone else in their life as well. We are the same that way. <laughs> Let's help all the people and the ones we don't get to touch will somehow get it in the ripples. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner. And what that means is I, um, you know, for years, I had a conventional, I wasn't conventional medicine practice and realized that I really wasn't serving women as well as I could be right like acute care is absolutely necessary. Like you have an infection, you have an itch, you have a lump, like there's so much important stuff that was done in the clinic environment. 
But what I was seeing was so many women coming in with these long-term chronic issues, like getting infections over and over and over again, not sleeping, stressed out, overweight, and then they're getting headaches and they're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're feeling nauseous or having heartburn. And, you know, each time they come into the clinic, we have our 10 minute, maybe 15 minutes if we're lucky. Here's some pills to help with that. Oh, that pill is making you tired. Let's give you this. Oh, that pill, you know, makes you nauseous. Let's give you that. And so it was just like Band-Aid over Band-Aid over Band-Aid, which for an acute infection, great. But if you've had 10 of the same infections over the last year, like clearly something bigger is going on. And I didn't have the ability to help them in that setting. So that's where I went out on my own and created uh, my practice, Positively Thriving Functional Wellness for Women to really give in-depth life-changing care to women who are ready to transform their lives and their health. Okay, so you did not start here though. I did not start here. I started so far away. It was a very circuitous path. And that's one of the things as the people listening and trying to carve out their own path, the doing what's really right for them and creating the effect and the impact they want to create in the world. You know, we are taught to follow a certain path and we, many of us, when we're young, especially do not necessarily have the be the wolf bravery to carve our own path. Some do, some do not. And so where did your journey start? My journey has been so crazy. It's so interesting. So I mean, I went to, you know, you grow up and you get at least in my family, right? Like you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have a baby, like there was a very clear path that I was supposed to take and your job is supposed to be able to support you. And even though my parents aren't judgmental and so supportive, like in my mind, from all the messages I got from family, from media, wherever is like, I need to make something of myself, right? I need to have a title and a business card. Like I remember how proud I was the first time I had a business card. It was like, I've made it. I'm a real person. <laughs> so I, you know, after college, um, I moved to Israel and I had always, all through high school, I wanted to work for the ACLU as a civil rights, gay rights lawyer, right? That's what I wanted to do. I learned in high school that gay people could be denied housing and jobs. I was like, oh, hell no. And I wanted to be a gay rights lawyer, but then I moved to Israel and my English was, or my Hebrew wasn't good enough to go to law school. So I kind of just fell into a job that I could do. Um, I got into marketing at an Israeli high-tech firm and I did that for seven years. I ended up moving to the States and opening an office for them here. And it was helped them go from a tiny company to a publicly traded company. And I really felt like I made it in terms of like status, right? Here I am, I have a fancy title. Um, once we went public, the company really started to be all about making money for the shareholders and some of the ethics and the joy of creating something new in a way. Um, and then the tech bubble happened and it crashed. And all of a sudden, like all my clients went out of business. And like, I'm talking so about big. Yeah. Let's, let's back up a little bit here. So you had, the company had a big shift. And I think a lot of people really experience this, especially in the tech world, where you're really working towards this goal. And it's very like, everyone's working so hard. The team is really tight. It's really together. And you then you go public. Yes. And things inevitably are always gonna change when a company goes public. I mean, some companies can hold on to their values and whatnot, but not all. So 
you said that the company started becoming so focused on like profits, correct? Yeah, it was. And to the point where the company doesn't exist anymore. So I don't feel bad saying this. Like it actually became, I was being asked to lie to clients because we had not enough engineers working on too many problems. The interesting thing about all of this though, is, you know, there wasn't like one point where I was like, okay, this isn't working, right? It was like this slow, all of a sudden, like over months and months and months, like I start feeling like I'm not in integrity, right? Like there was less joy. I kind of felt icky about what we were doing, but it was still your identity gets connected to that, right? Like this is who I am. And, and it took the tech bubble breaking for me to kind of wake up from my stupor and be like, oh, wait, this isn't even what I want to be doing. And so that was like this really pivotal moment, even though there had been months prior where I knew like something isn't right. And so, you know, you learn as you go along to start listening to that voice inside your head, like something's not right. I need to do something. Uh, But when that ended, I actually just decided I was going to go travel and figure out what I wanted to do before we get there. (laughs) I'm like, I know that's the good stuff. But I think this is this piece, this part right here is so important for so many people, because they are in these jobs that maybe something has changed, management has changed. And you're going through and you're starting to become out of integrity with yourself. And when you start to become out of integrity with yourself, whether you're consciously aware of it or not, is when things really start to go downhill with your job happiness. So you said it was a slow, a slow process for you. Was there, can you, and looking back, can you see that first moment? where it was like the first thing you might not be able to, but I mean, I can know, I know the very first moment that I said, Oh, hell no, which was when I was asked to lie. Like that was Mm. up until then, I felt like it was kind of insidious. And I felt it, but I wasn't really putting my finger on it. But when I was like, out and out said, you need to tell this company that the product is on their way when I knew that our engineers were working on a different project. And this person who I was working with was like a small business owner who put like double mortgage to his house, like put all his savings into it. So it was, that was like the moment I was like, oh, hell no, I need to get out of this company, but I still didn't know how to. And I still, and there was so much fear, right? There's, it's not just your identity, but there's also fear involved. Like, can I do this again? I have to go on the job market and interview or, you know, there's, there's a I was young. I was really young when I was in this company and it was just a lot of self-doubt. And, you know, interesting, it's both when the company changes, but also we're growing, we're evolving the whole time. And so as you're getting more and more skills and meeting with clients and meeting people and seeing what's out there, I think we also evolve and then we feel like we can do more or be more. Um, But that fear, oh my gosh, it's so strong. Like, can I really make it? Right. And, you know, a lot of times people go through these things and they have these moments where it's like, oh, do I do it? I don't know. It's so scary. It's so scary. And then something comes along like the tech bubble bursting. And and I always like to have the mindset that the universe is somehow working for me. And if I hang on to that mindset, it means that every problem or terrible thing that happens 
is there for me to learn something that's going to help me down the line. And, you know, it's not an easy mindset to hang on to. So when the, when the tech bubble first burst, were you relieved or were you excited? What happened there? You know, it's so interesting um, that you said that about the universe. You know, people always say like things happen for a reason, which I don't actually believe that. Like it, there's consequences and things happen, but I think you can always find meaning out of something that happens, right? You can always learn a lesson. And so the tech bubble bursting, they offered me some other job that I didn't want. And it was terrifying and also like this huge relief and like, it's an exciting time. And granted, I was so lucky. I had really supportive parents who are like, yep, let's figure out your next step. I got on the phone with my mom and was able to kind of talk it through. But when I decided to leave that job and go on to the next adventure, especially because I was going on a discovery adventure, right? I decided I wasn't going to go find another job. I was going to travel, do this like lifelong dream I'd have to like drop everything and just go out into the world and figure it out. I knew one that needed my next career to be deeply meaningful, right? Like I knew I had a purpose in this world and I wasn't there to make money for other people, right? Like I want to do put something into this world that provides support or help or guidance or something that improves people's lives. Um, so it was a relief. It was exciting. Um, and because there's this tech bubble, I will say this, the fear left because it was no longer my fault, right? Like it wasn't like I'm leaving this job because I couldn't hack it or I wasn't, you know, there's some like uh, ideology, right? Like this capitalistic ideology, like, yeah, of course you're making money for shareholders. That's what we do. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. And when the tech bubble burst, it was no longer like I was making this choice. It was made for me. And that made it a little bit easier to be like, oh, no one's going to judge me for not having a job because we all just lost our jobs. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's very similar to what a lot of people have been going through recently. It's like, oh, the whole thing, everything just blew up and now it's not my fault. So now I can make a change. And I think that's one reason why sometimes people wait for things to blow up before they actually take that step and take that like brave, <laughs> it feels very brave. Yes. Take that big, brave step into what it is that feels really true and aligned for them. And COVID did that to me too. Like that was a completely, so did all the stuff. We can go back to that. But in this latest move to become my own, you know, have my own practice and to go out on my own, COVID really was necessary, even though there had been a couple years prior that I was like, oh, something doesn't feel right again. I'm not that happy. Um, I could be doing more, but it took COVID and, and the need to be there for my child, which was really the impetus that was like, okay, I need to be brave. There's a reason outside of me. So, you know, I, I feel like I feel like there's something to learn there for myself. I think what I'm doing now, this is it. I'm 51 years old. Like I am in the exact right place doing something that I truly love. And I finally am here, but I don't think it was that I should have been doing this all along. I feel like it's been an evolution and every step of the way gave me the skills and confidence and, you know, communication and um, support that I needed to be where I'm at. So it's not like, oh, I wish I had done this earlier. I would have been awful at this when I was in my 20s. This is something that needed a little bit of wisdom and experience behind it. 
And I want to speak to that for just a moment because people get so hung up on, I have to figure out what I'm going to do. And it has to be the thing that's going to be forever. But the reality is you're changing. As you said, you're changing, you're growing, you're evolving, you're picking up new skills. You are an evolving creature. What was right for you 10 years ago is not necessarily right for you now. And it, what you're doing now, even if you love it, could be you could be doing something completely different in 10 years because you are going to grow and evolve and change. And I think that's why it's so important to do your best to love where you're at, love what you're doing. And when it no longer aligns with you, make a move. So you went traveling. Let's get let's get to the good stuff because that's the good stuff. So you went traveling and what happened? What did you discover? Well, it was supposed to be a three-month trip of just sightseeing. And um it ended up being a year and a half of like volunteering at different places and living. I lived in a mud hut on the Ganges in India for three months. I moved to Shanghai and taught business courses. I like did all these amazing things that really kind of showed me what was available in the world. It Travel is so powerful. And I recommend that to anyone who doesn't know what they want to do. If you're in a position where you can get out of your world, right? Get out of whatever makes you comfortable, whatever, because there's expectations on you, whether you have them yourself, other people have them. When you go to a completely different country, I mean, India could not be more different than where I grew up and where I was. So being in a place where not a single person knew me, where there were no expectations, no obligations, it gives you this incredible opportunity to really figure out who you are and what is in your soul. And there's, I'm Jewish, and there's this Jewish story, the Kabbalistic story about how um, the earth was made, right? That there's nothing but this light God, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden, when God realized they wanted um, to have something else to relate to, they, it contracted and then all these shards of divine light came down to earth and we all were created from that divine light. It's a really beautiful story. However you think of whatever's out there, right? And so traveling really put me in touch with that, right? Like I have this divine light. It's not about what other people think. It's not about making money or my image. Like I have a purpose here on earth. I have like this burning desire to be useful and helpful and connect to other people. And so travel enabled me to do that because you're outside of all that expectation, you know, whether it's from internal, external. And that was really beautiful to me. And that's what enabled me to kind of open my eyes. And so look at opportunities out there. It wasn't like I had to find the exact right thing, but I wanted to look at what was in the world and what was speaking to me. And I met a ton of traveling dentists and doctors and nurses who were there with the World Health Organization or just in different villages, you know, giving care. I spent three months volunteering for um, a place called Indian Women and Child outside of Calcutta. And I I really got to this point where like, this is my purpose. I am going to work with women and children and I am going to help with, you know, people getting healthy and feeling good in their bodies and it all was born from there. And I had a 
come back and start from scratch. My BA was in politics. I did not take a single biology course. So I had to start, like I went to school with a bunch of um, 18 year olds to learn how cells worked <laughs> to start my path. Cause I really wanted to become a nurse and a nurse practitioner and um, deliver babies and work with women. So what I'm seeing, and those of you that are only listening, you can't see this, but as she was talking about helping women and children and volunteering, her face just lit up so <laughs> much. And you can tell when somebody is connected to their purpose by the way they talk about it and the way they light up when they get connected to it. So I love seeing that. And I'm just trying to transmit that image to the people that are <laughs> Thank listening. You. And I feel it. When I talk about that, I can feel like this ease just comes over me of kind of alignment and almost like the spirit and the world are connected to each other. Like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. There's like, I always say one of the ways we can look through our like filter through our lives to find those pieces that connect us to purpose is they're like these flow moments these they're like these magic flow moments and we've all had them because even if you have no idea what your purpose is you're still living your purpose <laughs> and these little moments could be big or small okay so you came home i came home and by then i was in my early 30s so I did this later in life than a lot of people, right? Like I, I was really lucky that my dad completely changed his career. When I was in my senior year of college, my dad who'd been in like multiple different jobs that he didn't really love um, was kind of at this turning point. And my mom said, okay, we're done paying for college. What do you want to do? It's all you. And this is my stepdad who came in when I was younger and raised me and my brother and I have a sister. So there's three of us. And it was just this really beautiful um, role model where he decided he wanted to become a rabbi at 40 something years old. <laughs> and so he completely changed his life. They sold their house. My mom sold her business. And I had that role model so that when I was in my thirties in this kind of um, a turning point, I also was like, the whole world is open to me. So I really I really appreciate that and that I had that to look at. It wasn't like, oh, I have to go into the thing I was already in. So I came home and I took all my prerequisites. I got into a nurse practitioner program. Um, I became, a, the way I did it is it's a four-year master's entry program. So after a year and a half, I was a nurse and I went to work delivering babies as a labor and delivery nurse while I was getting my master's and my post-master's certificate in nurse practitioner. Um, and then I went to go work for Planned Parenthood, which was, like a dream of mine, right? It's an organization that I volunteered for in college. It was something that I just aligned so perfectly with my values. And it was amazing. And I worked for them for almost 11 years. And in the past couple of years, in the last couple of years, I also felt that same, mm, it's not everything I'm supposed to be doing anymore. Yeah. So let's backtrack for just a second. You talk about how having your stepdad as a role model to, it, it's like you knew it was possible to make a big change and have success out of it. Success, whatever success means for you, it doesn't necessarily mean like stereotypical American success. And that's really important because 
I would, I would venture to say probably 90%. I'm totally making this stat up, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to guess it's probably pretty accurate. 80 to 90% of people did not grow up with somebody who loved what they were doing for a living. And so there hasn't been a lot of role models out there for people to really see how to go after what is right for you. And it's a big part of why I do this podcast, a big part of why I love talking to people like you. And I love that you had a role model that you had, you got to see somebody make that transition in their life and achieve what they were looking for. Like, do have that, like, what it, how do I want to say this? This, like, heart connection to what you do. And yeah, I just, you know, the pivot from that first career, right, in business development, marketing to nursing was very personal. And then this last pivot, right, this, this change from being at clinic at an organization that I identified so strongly um, with, and then changing that, I will tell you that a huge part of that shift was because I wanted to be that role model to my child. And I don't know if you want me to get into details, but there's a few things that led up to me really realizing that that was the most important reason I needed to make the shift. It was no longer just about me. And it was, it was so motivating to, and the fear of going from a regular paycheck with great benefits and an organization I love and identified with to my own practice where all of a sudden, like I am betting a hundred percent on me. The fear of that was really the, the biggest hurdle I've ever overcome in my life in terms of fear. And because I was looking at my kid and knowing I had to do this in my heart, I knew I needed to do this for her. It made all the difference in the world. Yeah. I think a lot of people need a reason, whatever your reason is. It's like whether it's purpose, whether it's a child and having a child and wanting the best for them. One of the things that if you're going to be the best for them, you have to be your best self. And that means stepping through the fear and we get to do this over and over because we, because we are meant to grow as creatures we are meant to grow we're not meant to be stagnant and so to continue to grow means you get to keep stepping outside your comfort zone and entrepreneurship i'm familiar with it <laughs> <laughs> it is it is no joke. You're right. It is. You are betting on yourself. There's nothing to fall back on but yourself. But there's something so powerful in that. And when it's driven by purpose and and motivated by showing what's right for like wanting to be a role model for your kid or for the world, when it's motivated from something that's incredibly powerful whether it's internal or external, you just keep getting up and you just keep going. And if you're, what you're doing, your business is motivated by purpose as well, then it's like, you can't, you can't go backwards once you've crossed those lines. So, so let's go back to 
what was what were the precedences what were the things that were happening that you knew it was time to study like you made a pivot from just nurse practitioner into functional medicine mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about bringing get, getting into the functional medicine side of it because i'm a big fan of the functional medicine you guys <laughs> oh, good. so just for people who don't know functional medicine is it's not different necessarily conventional medicine for me it's an overlay right it's not like i've gotten rid of all the training i have right the intense medical training the 17 years of experience like that all comes with me but functional medicine looks at our body as a complex interconnected system and know that what's happening in one place is affecting something else and so we're looking how our body functions together and we're repairing functionality and that includes mind body connection sleep gut health inflammation you know, we're not looking at, oh, your skin has a rash, you go to the dermatologist, oh, my stomach hurts, I'm going to the GI doc, you know, oh, I'm having, you know, depression and anxiety, I'm going to this doc, oh, I have hormonal issues, I'm going to the gyne. Like, we're really understanding that every single one of those things that I just mentioned is interconnected. And in order to transform our health and our lives, we need to understand that interconnection and address the root causes of what's going on and not just put a cream on the skin and a pill for this and hormones for that. And so, you know, I've been at Planned Parenthood, like I said, for almost 12 years. And I absolutely love that organization. They do phenomenal work. And I was starting to notice it. And like you start off when I started there, like it was brand new and there was so much to learn and grow. And I kind of did everything that I could there, right? I did prenatal care. I had students like there's, I felt like I had gotten to the point where I was I had grown to the point where I felt very confident in everything I was doing there. Um, and I was starting to really notice that there's a lot of people and it was getting worse coming in with the same thing over and over again. And they'd come in and I'd have women saying, yeah, I'm here for this itch, but also I'm not sleeping and I'm stressed and I have no libido and I'm having relationships issues because I don't want to have sex. And, you know, I keep getting weight and I want you to check my hormones because something's wrong. And then talking to them, realizing like, yeah, a lot is wrong, right? Like you're eating a diet that's not helping your body. You're not sleeping at night. You're handling stress wrong. Your, your technology is really interfering with your life. And then here you are like working multiple jobs, taking care of your kids. So it got to the point where I knew I needed more to give my patients. What I had learned in conventional medicine wasn't enough for them. They needed more. And so I started studying functional nutrition, you know, two years before I even considered starting my own practice. Like I was doing it to add to that. And so I'd come in and I'd be able to give them some advice. Well, you know, 10 minutes is not enough time <laughs> to help people. <laughs> enough time to transform people's lives. And so I started taking classes at Institute of Functional Medicine and just really being blown away by the level of care that's possible when you integrate it all together. So all this is going on before COVID, right? The year and a half, two years before COVID. And, and I'm also like, kind of at the pinnacle and kind of not getting bored, but just like seeing the same stuff over and over. I was like, okay, I need something new. And then this is the part with my kid. My kid, when COVID hit, was really depressed. They did not handle COVID well. 
And on top of that, they were seeing me being forced to go to a job that I, during COVID, didn't want to be at. You know, it took three months before we got protective equipment. So here we were in a situation where thousands of people are dying all around us. Every single day I went to work, I was not sure if I was going to leave my kid motherless or not. Like it was, I can't tell you the level of stress seeing 20 patients a day with no masks, not knowing how this disease is transmitted and how at risk I am. You know, every sniffle, you know, I had nightmares every night about like, my kid being orphans, right? Um, so that's going on. The company itself did the best they could, I think, but they were not allowing people to work from home. They were actually making us drive into the clinic to do telehealth, to sit on a phone and talk to people, but they wouldn't let me do oh, it from wow. home. And here's my kid sitting alone all day on a computer, barely getting out of bed. And I basically had to choose between feeding her and addressing her emotional health. And it just got to the point where it was untenable. And I was like, I cannot do this. And on top of that, my kid was seeing this, seeing the stress of me going to work every day. And she was saying things like, I just don't understand, like, what's the point of living? Here I am going to school. I hate life. I can't see my friends. And what am I going to do? Grow up and have this job that I hate going to every day that I'm forced to go to, even though it's not what I want to do. And that was the key. And like, no, honey, there's like a whole world out there. You could do anything you want. She's like, well, why are you still there? Why are you still doing oh. this job? I know you're miserable going to work every day. And so that was COVID really needed to happen for me to get past the fact that Planned Parenthood was my identity. I had this amazing paycheck, you know, not that they pay a whole lot, but like it was a steady, good paycheck, great right. benefit, 26 days off, you know, PTO. And the idea of going out on my own where all of a sudden I'm responsible for everything was terrifying. And yet I felt like my daughter's life and happiness depended on it. And so that's where I was finally able to kind of look at all those people out there doing functional medicine um, and watching them grow these businesses. I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I've had 17 years experience. I have, you know, business experience. My parents are both entrepreneurs. Like, I can do this. And I just kind of had to take that gigantic leap. Man, was it scary. <laughs> and it still is. I'm not going to lie. It's still scary, right? Being an entrepreneur, you know, there are weeks where I have three or four new patients, which is like the max because it's I'm very in-depth, like one-on-one, right? you know, very targeted care. I spend two hours with each patient for their initial appointment um, and do follow-ups and make very complex plans for them, very personalized. Um, so there's, those weeks are great. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing, and then there's the next week where I'm doing follow-up with the same people who already paid and like, oh my gosh, you know, where's it coming in and here I have to pay insurance and office and, and a collaborating physician. And yet it has, it has been so worth it. You know, when I sit down with a patient, when I do their, their care, I go to sleep with no anxiety you know, I can go to sleep feeling like I am doing the very best in the world. My kid has completely turned around, you know, 180 degrees. She's happy. She's proud of me. She's totally involved. She helped me make my logo. She's excited about helping me starting an Instagram account. She is telling her friends, parents about me and what I do. Like you could tell there's so much pride. And when she talks about her future, there's no limits now. She realizes in a way that just talking to her would never have done like, Oh, I can do whatever I want. 
And that is just, that's priceless, right? To be able to have your kids see that she has agency in her life and she can find what is meaningful to her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the pieces societally, generation to generation, as women, this is a big hurdle for a lot of women to realize that they do have agency in their life, that they can create the kind of life that they want. Because it's just like two generations back where you pretty much absolutely had to have a man support you. Or you lived with your parents and took care of your parents and lived off them was sort of what women did. So we've come a long way. And to let the next generation really know that they can for real have it all, we have to show them. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is so awesome that you are doing that and that she's involved and she wants to be a part of it. And learning how to what you grow up witnessing what you grow up seeing and i know this because i work with the unconscious mind is what becomes your default um everything particularly before the age of seven but still in your preteen and teen years when you have that deep understanding that it can be done because you've seen it done like you have that with your stepdad um, your daughter now has that with you. It's tangible. You know that it's possible. It's not just this pipe dream of some picture of somebody on Instagram that's doing so great. And you don't even know if it's real because you don't see any of the behind the scenes things. So showing that to her gives her a map that she can carve her own path. And that is what I love. I love, love, love. Um, and functional, I'm going to just talk geek out a little bit about, yeah. you know, functional medicine. And over the years in my quest to heal my own trauma, to feel better, be better, all of the things that led me to where I am now. <laughs> um, I The health part, the standard um, the standard care that you get, the 15 minutes, the like, go in, do the blood work, all of that stuff is great. I'm not putting any of that down. But what I learned through my own experiences and my own healing, I had one of those reoccurring infections mm. that was happening every two months. It was like, every time I have sex, I have another yeast infection and I can't figure out what's wrong. And I was 22 and nobody could, they just, you know, prescribe me this give me this, give me that. And uh, what it really came down to is I had to be taking care of my body. And I know now that that was probably psychological. <laughs> that was an abusive relationship on some level. And it was my body telling me this is not a match. And the more in tune you are with your body and your mind, because they are 100% connected, the more, the easier it is to take care of the problems. So if you are paying attention to the whole system, then you can catch things so much sooner before they become life-threatening illnesses. And... I love that there are more and more doctors and nurses and people bringing in the whole system because it is, it's an ecosystem. It is not just 
this one thing is the only problem. And even in the work that I do, the work that helps people to really find those careers that they get to be who they truly are in, it affects everything because then they get to be themselves in relationships. They get to be themselves with their families and not get triggered. They get to find joy in every place. And I think that's one of the things you said. It's like having joy in your work and what you're doing is such an important thing. It is huge. And I, I want to speak to what you said about a yeast infection, which is a very physical, it's a real thing, right? You have this infection, you've got symptoms. It can be diagnosed very clearly by looking at a microscope, like you see yeast on a microscope. Like it's not, it's not one of those things you can be like, and women have so many kind of things in their body that are easily discounted, right? In this paternalistic system, which sadly, even though there's a lot of women practitioners out there, the medical system is paternalistic. I can't tell you how many women have been told things are in their head, right? Like, you know, their stomach problems, their inability to sleep, you know, all these things they're told over and over again, well, your labs look fine, everything's okay. Yeast is like, very obviously, and you can diagnose it. And I know that there's probably some people listening who are like, come on, your relationship told you, you know, that's what's going on. It's your psychiatry, your psychology that's causing that. And the cool thing about learning about your body as a complex system is you know exactly how that happens, right? You're in a bad relationship. You have probably this high level of ongoing stress in your body. You're constantly in fight or flight. Your body is pumping out cortisol and adrenaline, which is affecting your gut microbiome, which is affecting your liver, you know, sending out sugar into your body. It is feeding the yeast. It is causing you then to crave the bad bacteria. And the yeast is causing you to crave sugar and carbs to give yourself that relief that you think is comfort food just emotionally, but actually you've got bacteria in your body screaming out to eat that. So you're eating things that are then feeding that yeast and then causes this actual symptom. So I love when people who don't believe that your emotions can cause illness to like be able to pinpoint exactly how that's happening in your body and why, and then being able to address that. And so with functional medicine, we are addressing that emotional side of things. We're addressing the root cause physical stuff. We're fixing your gut microbiome so you stop getting those messages. We're helping you balance your cortisol, retrain your circadian rhythm, because that is how we bring that stress level down. That's how we live in, in peace and joy. And I also love that what you do, right, is like helping people find what they're supposed to do, working with women in their 40s and beyond, like we're at the peak, right? We have this creativity, we have years of wisdom and experience that we can um, apply to something. We have these dreams. Um, a lot of us are raising kids, a lot of us aren't, but a lot of us have parents we're helping. There's, it's just this time of life that is filled with challenges and so many opportunities. And, and, um, you know, it's this last kind of last 30, 40 years of life where we're going to be doing this creative work and helping people get healthy so that they can do that. Right. It's one thing to say, Hey, get over your fear and follow your bliss. 
if you're exhausted all the time and you're not digesting your food and you don't have the right nutrients coming in because you actually can't even absorb them in your body or you know your brain chemistry is off because of your inflammation and it's affecting your dopamine and serotonin or your hormones are off because they're not communicating well or your receptors are blocked right or you have insulin resistance so you can't stop gaining weight it is really hard to get to that place where you um, address that fear and face that fear head on and are brave and can move forward if you feel awful. And so the kind of work we both do is really interconnected, right? Like I help their bodies feel great again. And then they can start with that, that ability to see like, oh gosh, I feel good. Now I'm ready to like apply all this wisdom and creativity and all my dreams. Yeah. And one of the things that's so cool is by getting the body in balance. And one of the things I do, of course, is with the mind and the mind, you know, when we talk about can the emotions really affect the body that much? Think about the last time you were angry. Anybody, Mm -hmm. y'all listening, how much hotter did you get? (laughs) And that in itself, that heat changes the dynamics of everything in your body. Mm-hmm. And that heat, when you're angry, feels very contracting. So it creates a, a physical stress that you can feel in the body when you like people clench up their hands versus, you know, if you're flush because maybe someone's cute and looking at you and that also (laughs) creates heat but that feels very expansive and different in the body and so every emotion the chemical set of every emotion that you have lasts for 90 seconds in your body and if you're feeding it a story like you're like oh my god they're the worst person ever and 90 seconds later oh they're still the worst you're just <laughs> cycling those emotions over and mm-hmm. over so you're changing the chemical makeup of your body and that's going to change the dynamics of anything period absolutely yeah period. and we perpetuate it right like you have that feeling and then you perpetuate it same thing with nerves right you get nervous and your stomach hurts or you may have diarrhea or constipation because of it and then that's affecting you and then you're not getting the again the serotonin's not being created because it's mostly in your gut your immune system's going down so then you get sick more often it is it is really to me it's incredible like i think the human body including the psyche, like all of it is just incredibly fascinating. And figuring out your own mental health and your own body's health is like, once you get those puzzle pieces put together, it's like, ah. (laughs) I know. I geek out off that stuff so much. Okay, Lisa, tell us how that people can find you, how people can work with you, how they can soak in your knowledge and experience. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I would love to invite all of you to join my Facebook group. It's called Navigating the Change, Hormones, Health, and You. It is for women who will experience perimenopause, are experiencing it, or who are postmenopausal, dealing with the emotions that go with it, the symptoms that go with it, you know, questions about hormones and gut health and sleep. And it's a really lively group with lots of um, good conversations back and forth. Um, And then I also have a free guide, a five toxic beliefs preventing you from thriving in your 40s and beyond, which has a lot of great information about helping you with some of the symptoms you may be experiencing in perimenopause. And that's at um, howtobalanceyourhormones.com. And um, 
my contact information is on there as well. And you can always reach out to me on my Facebook group or on Facebook at Lisa Michelle J. And I work with people one on one, I have an eight week course that people can take. And I also um, I'm really happy to hop on calls with people and to help them break through a certain issue for free, no sales gimmicks, um, just to help them kind of break through and see what is possible for them and their health. And so if you reach out to me on Facebook, I would love to jump on a call with you as well. And for those of you that are listening and don't want to go look in the show notes, you spell Lisa L-Y-S-S-A and last name J-A-Y-E. So L-Y-S-S-A and J-A-Y-E. All right. And for those of you that are looking to find true career fulfillment and step through those fears with ease so it's not so terrifying, <laughs> let's have a call. But you can do that at bookacallwithjenea.com. And that's G-E-N-E-A, for those of you listening. It's not a J. <laughs> so book a call with Jenea.com. And yeah, reach out to Lisa if you want to connect with her. And Lisa, thank you again so much for having this conversation. You and I could talk for many, many hours about Definitely. so many things. But we will spare our listeners that this time. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And I just, I absolutely love your energy. And I think what you're doing can really help people in such huge ways, like live the life they're meant to live. I love what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks again for being here. And goodbye, everybody. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf. <laughs>